dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Let's face it. Leading other people is always hard. If we say the wrong thing in the wrong way, we can actually discourage the people we're supposed to encourage. On the other hand, if we just tell them the truth like it is, we can leave them without any motivation. Speaking the word of truth correctly is the art and essence of good communication and leadership. But how do we do this? Pope St. Gregory the Great offers us some amazing insights in his book on the Rule of Shepherds, Book 3. Well, you know, there's something that's obvious for everybody who's ever been in leadership and that if you haven't tried to lead other people, you might not really see as being the key. And that is that words and the way that we use them will dictate our success or our failure as leaders more than just about anything else. And so if we can master how we speak and communicate our thoughts and intentions to the people that are under us, we will be able to effectively harness our influence for the good. And if we don't, it's for sure that we will end up hurting people along the way and our leadership itself will be diminished. And this focus on words isn't just unique to leadership alone. As a matter of fact, all of Christian moral virtues hinges upon our control over our tongue. This is what St. James says in James 1:26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, his religion is vain. A little bit later on in his letter, St. James will actually use the example of how you can control a big farm animal by putting a, a nose ring in the thing, almost like by controlling the, the animal's mouth, you can control the whole rest of the beast. And he says, it's the same way with our speech. If we can learn to control what we say, our other virtues will follow from it. And what a neat insight this is for doing interviews and hiring, right? To look at how the person speaks, their choice of words, their ad adaptation to different environments or situations that you put at them, and the, the way that they master what they say and don't say. It's obvious that if you can get someone to spout off all kinds of negativity about their former employer, it's the surest way to be sure that they're going to do the same thing to you when they leave your shop. Or if you can get someone to, to sound critical or haughty, you, you, can, you can gauge already so many other things that could go wrong with that potential new hire. The one who can control their speech and speak well with chosen words and in the right ways is someone who manifests that they have other control about other areas in their life as well. You can almost make this the, the arbiter of the quality of character in the people around you as how they speak about other people and how they speak to the boss above them and how they speak to those who are underneath them. But the speech that each one of us carries is just one of those areas where our Christian faith and our business leadership intersect, right? A good Christian is someone who is mindful to speak the truth, right? But to speak the truth in the right way, to speak the truth in charity, 
You're thinking of St. Paul who says, listen, be careful about what you say. Only say things that other people need to hear. Things that will actually help them and build them up. Don't just be saying, since I, I feel this way, I have to say it. Or have this in my mind, I have to say it. That's not a Christian domination of the Spirit. We have to be really careful about that because in today's world where emotions drive the discourse, the emotions could drive discourse with all sincerity right over the cliff. It's not because I feel a certain way that I have the right to share how I feel with everyone around me. What I need to think is my speech is there to convey truth. My words are there to give ideas, intelligence, therefore. And so as much as emotions might be a fine thing, but the much more needed by my, my listener is something intelligent that will build them up. And we can almost do an assessment, therefore, of our words. How many things do I say in the course of a day because I feel like I need to say them? And how many things do I say in the course of a day that I know the other person needs to hear? Right? So there are times and places for just sharing and even for venting but it's not necessarily at the workplace. And it's definitely something that can weaken our leadership. Remember what the, the, the Gallup poll showed about leadership, the four qualities that people ascribe to a leader. First was vision, and the second was, can they be trusted? And obviously, where they're gonna see more than any other place or pick up on the trustworthiness of the leader is how that leader speaks to them about others, about themselves and about the mission at hand. Are my words encouraging? Are they well-placed? Right? The third thing that is needed is that the person needs to feel trusted. So in the same way, when I'm delegating my tasks or empowering them, do I constantly reaffirm them in the right way by my speech that they are trusted? And then the fourth is, of course, passion. But two of those four are all about trust. And when we do an analysis on what about a person is where I see the most about a person, it's in their word. When I hear what a person's saying, St. Francis de Sales has a puts it beautifully. He says, the word is almost like the person's heart on their inside that is made visible or audible, right? Coming from the mouth on the outside. Now I can suddenly in the word know what's inside of a person. And so we communicate by words all the time. How do I do it well? It's not as easy <laughs> as we might think, especially if you come from a family environment where words were used callously, where there was all kinds of criticism or negativity. You're going to have the same tendency to be just like your parents or just like your brothers and sisters in the workplace. And everybody's underneath you is going to pick up on the fact that, oh my goodness, this person is speaking in a way that is difficult for them or challenging to them, off-putting to them, and your leadership's going to be mitigated. But regardless of how hard it is, it's the task we've got to conquer because we are in this place in order to lead well. And if we're going to lead well, we have to use the tool of leadership well. And the principal tool of leadership is words. How do I use them and use them wisely? The Bible has a lot to say about this. And so is Pope St. Gregory the Great. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today.
All right, so we're looking at Pope St. Gregory the Great's third book here of his Rule of Shepherds. And the whole third book is him laying out for us his advice to different types of people. So if you're going to be working with this type of person, here's how you work with them. And honestly, I'm really amazed. I mean, he has 40 chapters in this third book. And the 40 chapters, most of them are dealing with, it's between these two types of extremes on the same spectrum. I mean, there's something like 25 different cases here that you can look at that he gives you insight on, an incredible amount of insight because being a priest, a bishop, an abbot, and the pope, he knows a thing or two about dealing with people. And what I think is amazing is that looking at it from the professional context, you can see the same situations that he's describing and the same people he's describing from a spiritual point of view present right there next to us in the workplace. As a matter of fact, present underneath us. And it's really, really hard to coach them, to help them, to lead them, to be the leaders that they're called to be themselves. And so he describes for us the difficulty in this because of speech and just how hard it is to speak rightly, to use the right words at the right time in the right way. I mean, it's a science, it's an art, but it's something we have to practice and become good at if we're going to really be Christ's disciples in the workplace. So how do we work at it? First thing, let's understand what words are and how they actually work, right? So in a word, you have the essence of a word being its intellectual content. The idea is trying to express, but it's coded in these layers of emotionality, of your own past lived experience, and of the intention that you are trying to convey. It's almost like you've got a heart or a nugget of the seed inside of layers of shells. Now, those layers of shells can actually help the person to digest the seed if they're aligned. If in other words, what your emotions are and your perspective is and your past education is, and then your intention in speaking, what those things are, if those things actually fit with the, the heart of what you're trying to convey, the essence of the truth you're trying to say, well, then that truth will shine forth through you in an amazing way. You'll be a convincing and a charismatic speaker because everyone sees that you are genuine and they're able to access the content of what you're saying through those different things, your emotions, your your understanding and examples and background as you explain what you're trying to say. And finally, the deep intention that inhabits your heart, which motivates you to speak in the first place. If all those things are actually good and all those things are connected and true to what you're saying, well, people are going to listen. They're going to sit up in their seats. You're going to command that audience in a wonderful way. But the problem is sometimes there's a disconnect and actually we put all of our own subjectivity, our emotions, our past experiences, or our intention, we actually put those things in place of the content. So what we're really communicating isn't an idea that feeds the mind of the listener. We're actually instead communicating uh, ourselves. And this can happen, especially when we're emotionally needy or when we're tired, when we just feel like we just want the other person to pay attention to us. At times like those, we can even divert the true meaning of the words into falsehood and be, and be more intent on convincing the other person to be our ally than we are really speaking to them. That's how words work. Well, that's obviously also at the heart of the tangled webs that we can weave, right? Oh, the webs that we weave. 
because you've got people who are work with you who are constantly trying to, to cover the fact that they were duplicitous in their speech. They're just not able to say things as they are. You come towards them and you say, hey, did you get that project done? And you, instead you hear all this diversionary kind of stuff. Well, you know, um, I'm working on it, uh, but like the next person tried to give it to me and it didn't work. And they, there's all kinds of blame that happens. There's all kinds of self-evaluation that happens. There can be defensiveness that comes out. Like, who are you to ask me? Or why are you even asking? Or, you know what? I told you this last time. And instead of actually just answering the question simply, you get a whole bunch of what they're living inside. And while that might be very interesting, it's also not an answer to your question. And so if that triggers in you, the response where you then have the same response to their response, well, the two of you are in for a dreadful dance <laughs> because you're going to be triggered by them being triggered and you're not gonna advance on the project. As a matter of fact, sooner or later, you're gonna end up with a toxic environment. You're not gonna have a good culture in your workplace because nobody can actually just answer questions. Everybody's got to be defensive. Everybody's got to share their different, I really, really want to please you kind of things or whatever it might be. And frankly, that's a little bit out of place, but sometimes it can go the other way too. You can have people who are so blunt in their speech that they actually do more harm than good, right? Uh, it's almost like that classic scenario where one married person asks their spouse, hey, listen, do I look good tonight, honey? And the spouse says, no, you look fat. You know, second, <laughs> things that you just don't say because that's not really the question to say that you look fat because that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to help the other person either for them to hear that kind of commentary unless it's said in just the right way, just the right time, etc. But that requires the nuance I'm talking about. Just like you can have a tangled web of emotionality that clouds the, the heart of what the words are supposed to say, which are yes or no to a clear question. So you can also, by being just too focused on what you need to say, you can also lack a lot of the nuance that actually needs to be there in order for the word to be constructive. I don't need teammates, in other words, who are just robots and machines functioning at their different places. I need people who are able to create a, a, a network of trust and of connectivity that's different from just what they're thinking or different from just the truth. The truth is a broader thing than concepts. Truth is found in relationships. And when we lead other people, we need to be able to form those relationships just as, as much as we need to be able to say things. And so you've got these two extremes that can exist. People that never answer a question because they're just so caught up in the relationship that they completely forget that what they're supposed to be all about. And then you've got people that are just so blunt or so dry about things that nobody really feels like they can trust them anyway. They don't feel like there's a relationship with them. They can't get them to go anywhere. And we have to be able to know where our listeners and the people under us are on, on that spectrum. Are the people under me looking for just facts and that's it? Or people underneath me needing more relationship and that's it, more or less. And we're constantly adjusting how we communicate so that what we communicate is communicated well. This is the art of a leader and it's hard. And it's wearisome. <laughs> it is not easy. It's almost like being a parent. 
and every child needing something different from you. And then your spouse at the end of the day, of course, needing something else and needing it differently on each day and being able to be attentive to that. It's hard to be true, you guys, and to really bear your influence. But that doesn't matter if it's hard or not. That's why you're at the St. John Leadership Network. We're here to help you to grow in this, right? So, and we're going to do it by the grace of Christ and by his ability, his teaching in the Bible and in the gospel. So let's take a look. Let's look at what St. Gregory the Great says about this because he has a marvelous way of saying that both sides are right, but both extremes need to grow towards the middle. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, so what does Pope St. Gregory the Great have to say about all of this? In book three of his Rule of Shep- Shepherds, chapter 11, He speaks about how differently we have to approach those who are simple and those who are complicated, right? So he says, first of all, the simple are to be praised for studying never to say what is false, but to be admonished to know sometimes how to be silent about what is true. (laughs) In other words, he's saying it's, it's a one thing for people just, they're always honest. They'll always just tell you exactly what it is. You know where you stand. And of course, that's a really good thing. But he says, you know, you got to be careful at the same time to be able to nuance it correctly. Now, think about this from our point of view of leadership. Oh, how sometimes we long to be able just to say exactly what we want to and to tell people exactly where the truth is about things. But that won't always get us to where we need to go. Sometimes, in fact, we need to take more into consideration how to move the person I'm speaking to forward on the pathway that they need to go than me feeling gratified by saying what I think I need to be able to say. This is the key. It's just like in marketing. We just in the same way as you need to begin by knowing your customer and seeing what your customer needs so as to supply that need in the way that they need it. In the same way, we need to be able to see what my listener is thinking what they need to hear and how they need me to say it in order for me to get there. Being blunt is one thing, but sometimes I need also to be able to know how to be silent about what is true in the sense of not giving everything at once. (laughs) It's just that simple thing called building relationships (laughs) and allowing our communication to that other person to really be true to the relationship that we have with them. This is what Jesus did. I mean, look at the way that he spoke to Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I must enter in your house tonight. He doesn't do that with other people. The other people, he waits to be invited. With, I mean, look at how he speaks to the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. You know, whereas with Zacchaeus, he comes and he treats him like a friend. To the woman, he sends her away. I mean, you can, he speaks with strength towards the Pharisees to help break them down from their, their prideful positions. And he speaks with such gentleness to the parents who just lost their child when he says, 
do not listen to the crowds. Just believe and have faith. I mean, the tenderness of, he adjusts his discourse to the people that are in front of them, him, in order to bring them to the next step forward and where they need to go. Guys, this is the key. It's to get rid of our own need to be secure or to be approved in our leadership. It's not because I need my, my approval rating to be high that I'm speaking. I'm speaking to you because I want to help you. I'm here to serve you as a leader. And sometimes I might not get that approval from you. But you want to, good leadership usually looks very simple, doesn't it? So it's the type of thing people don't even notice. When someone's really a good leader, it's just a natural thing. The person, people don't even realize all the effort that could go into it because it looks like a friend, a father, a helper, a coach, someone who cares about them is picking them up. Well, in a, in a workspace environment, to have that type of persona is a hard thing to master, but we can begin by our speech. Adjusting our speech to speak the truth in the way that the person listening, listening to me needs me to say it so that they can take the next step forward. They might not be perfect. They might not be able to hold all the truth, but can I move them one step further down the field? That's my job as a leader day by day. And I do that by learning how to not be sometimes just so simple and bold as I might want to be. Here's what Pope St. Gregory the Great says. He says, Our Lord before his disciples, tempering his speech with silence, says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. John 16, 12. Isn't that amazing? He's giving the example here of the Lord himself, who's like, I have so much more that I could tell you, but you cannot bear it. And so he pulls back and isn't just frontal in his approach. He's nuanced. He's giving the, the apostles what they need to hear. Pope St. Gregory the Great continues. He says, The simple are therefore to be admonished that, as they always avoid deceit advantageously, meaning it's a good thing that they're not deceiving people, but so they should always utter truth advantageously. They are to be admonished to add prudence to the goodness of simplicity, to the end that they may so possess the security of simplicity as to not lose the circumspection of prudence. In other words, it says, be careful that what you're saying actually hits the real goal and you move the people forward. And yet, on the other hand, we know the other extreme, and that's to be complicated. Oh, how those of us who manage people know this other extreme. Boy, where you don't actually say what you mean, you can't say what you mean, you're shading things constantly, you're hiding things from people. And if you've ever had a boss who's done this, it ought to be enough to motivate you to never be that boss, right? It's one of the most difficult things to not know where you're standing, to feel like the relationship is there, but there's no truth. It's extremely unnerving. Right? And sometimes maybe it's good to say that to the person that you're dealing with. Because if you, especially if you see that that's not their intention, they're not trying to hide anything. Some people are just complicated. Some people have all kinds of things playing in their head when they're speaking and it's keeping them from saying the truth, right? So if you feel like you're being denied that, well, it could be a great service to give that feedback to the one who's leading you. But sometimes they're not. And sometimes we're not. 
I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves when we're leading others, are we really able to lead in the truth or are we hiding things too? Hiding our fear that we're going to be, you know, found out to be not as good a leader as we want it to be. Hiding our fear the project's going to fail. Hiding our fear. We have all kinds of things that we're hiding. And, and sometimes this causes us to give off a vibe that just can't be trusted. Here's what he says. He says, for while they are afraid of being found out, they are ever seeking dishonest defenses. They are agitated by fearful suspicions, but there is nothing safer for defense than sincerity and nothing easier to say than truth. So he's actually saying that on the one hand, your, your complicated web of all kinds of interior feelings that you're throwing out there towards a person or blame or self-justification or whatever it could be, there's all kinds of a prism of ourself that keeps us from the truth. We hide in that on purpose. We hide in that because we think that it's, it's easy. But he says actually the easiest and the surest defense is to actually say the truth, to not feel like you have to be so complicated as to run away from things. Think about the way we are when we have a difficult situation we have to confront with a person. No one wants to have conflict, and so we don't really say it. Instead, we beat around the bush, we run away from it, etc., and it makes it a ton worse. Gregory the Great quotes Jeremiah here, and he says, they have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. As if it were said plainly, they who might have been friends of truth without labor, labor to sin. In other words, it's a lot harder to cover up your lies, to completely continue to be the, 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 this, the shameless victim of everybody else's circumstances, to always be the one who's defending things. It's so much more work rather than to have that humility to simply accept the truth. As we lead others, we need to give that confidence that yes, it's okay to be true. This is the same confidence that Jesus himself gives to each one of us. He's our true leader and he's the one who models leadership for us. Everyone who's under Christ knows that they can give their best. Everyone who's under Christ accepts the truth of their sins and where they fail because there's something bigger that's drawing them upward. Wouldn't it be great to bring that same culture into our workplace, to enable everyone that works with us to give their very best, to stretch and go further and higher because they know and are secure in the leadership that we give them. As we are led best by those that who love us in truth, well, so we will also lead best by providing a safe and good workplace for folks to labor in truth. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.